We are in the midst of this summer series that we're calling Great Summer Reads. And if you were here last week, you heard a great message by Pastor Rick, um, the story from Gideon. And his takeaway, or one of his takeaways from that message, by the way, if you missed it, anytime you miss, miss um, a Sunday, the messages are podcast and videocast, and you can find them at our uh, website at meethope.org. Um, so if you missed it, you ought to, you ought to listen to it. His, his, one of his takeaways, though, was this, small things matter to God. Small things matter to God. And that's a truth, absolutely. I want to build on that by adding an addendum to it so that it now is small things matter to God and so do giant things. Small things matter to God and so do giant things. This morning in our great reads, we're looking at the story of David and Goliath. Now, this is one of those stories that is known widely in our popular culture. It is, it's become a kind of a cliche. It's a shorthand way of saying a big guy was defeated by a little guy. And so it's an, it's a, it's a metaphor or it's a cliche uh, in our common culture. I hear it a lot in sports, and particularly around March Madness, as you know, the basketball teams are, uh, the college basketball teams are going through uh, their brackets, and inevitably there's one of those small, obscure colleges nobody's ever heard of that ends up taking out one of the, one of the top schools. And almost always, it's a David and Goliath story. We hear it in sports all the time. We hear it in uh, business. I hear business executives talking about a David and Goliath story. And certainly, we hear it in the political world as well. And so what it means in that broad culture is when the big guy is brought down by the little guy. And while there is truth to that, it really misses the point of the story. And so this morning, I want to kind of revisit this very familiar story. You may have never read it for yourself, and if you haven't, I would encourage you to do that. It's in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, so sometime this week, make it your business to read the story for yourself. It's actually very short. It'll take you about five minutes to read the story, but it's a powerful story of God and his work. So the story of David and Goliath is not so much a story of a big guy being taken out by a little guy. It's more a story of how great God is. So let's start. The story begins in 1 Samuel 17. Here's, here's kind of the setup of the story. So it's uh, verses one through three. You can follow along if you have a Bible or a Bible app where you can watch uh, or read along on the screen. Here's what it says. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Sokka in Judah and Azekah 
at the Ephes Damium. Now, this is the reason why people don't read the Bible, right? It's words just like that. But as you're reading along, these are, these are uh, town names and so forth, so you can just insert, you know, Berlin or Cherry Hill, and it's all good. Saul countered this gathering, uh, Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with a valley between them. So here's the scene. There's these two armies, the Israelites and the Philistines. They're both on high ground, and there is a valley between them. And neither of them is engaging the other in battle. And it makes sense, right? When you have the high ground, you want to hold the high ground. Nobody wants to run down into a valley where you're now vulnerable to the people on the high ground and then run up the hill where you're even more vulnerable in order to engage them. And so they're both kind of in this standoff on these two hills with this valley below them. So it's there in this valley after days of this standoff that the Philistines come up with this plan of sending their, their most um, awesome warrior, this guy Goliath. Now the description of Goliath in scripture is, it gives you a picture of just how big he is. This guy, based on the description, makes LeBron James look small. He's that big. And in addition, he is fully outfitted. It says that he had a helmet made of bronze. He had this bronze chest plate made of mesh. So, so it's brilliant, really, because it's maximum kind of protection, but also maximum ability for movement because it's mesh. He's got protection on his legs. He's got a javelin made of bronze with a lead tip. He has a huge sword and a shield. He is literally a weapon of mass destruction. And he comes out onto this valley floor and he calls out to the Israelite army saying, bring it. One guy will go mano y mano. We're gonna fight this out. I'll fight for our side. You send me your best warrior to fight for your side. Whoever kills the other, the opposing army and the opposing nation will be enslaved by the other. If I win, we enslave you. If you win, you enslave us. And nobody's taken him up on this deal, right? No, why would you? This guy is huge and intimidating. Nobody wants to fight him. So that's the kind of context for the story. But there's a broader context than just that that's important for us, I think, to recognize. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. But before we go there, I wanna give you kind of the, the punchline of this message. This is kind of the the theme, the, the takeaway from this message. So I wanna share it with you right now, and then you can leave. But the band is coming back up, and so you would miss a great, a great follow-up song and a great story. But here's the theme. No giant is so powerful that it can overcome God's purposes. 
No giant is so powerful that it can overcome God's purposes. And that story gets lived out over and over and over again. So going all the way back to the beginning of the story of Israel, back to the book of Genesis, back to Abraham, the founder of the faith, in fact, the father of the three great faiths on the planet. The Jews, the Muslims, Christians all view Abraham as the father of their faith. So all the way back there when God speaks to Abraham and says he's going to make him the father of a great nation, that his offspring will outnumber the stars in the sky. As he is making that covenant promise to Abraham, he says these words. They're found in Genesis 12, 3. And again, the words are on the screen. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. It's God's promise that I am going to bless you and bless those who bless you. And those who treat you with contempt, I will curse. And that story then gets played out throughout all of the Old Testament, through all of redemptive history, all the way through the Old Testament into the time of Jesus and to today. So it's lived out first when we see the enslaved people in Egypt who God frees from Egypt and sends them off to the promised land. And as they are on their way to the promised land, the Pharaoh of Egypt changes his mind and wants to recapture them and re-enslave them. And so this great army, this giant army of of Egypt is going after God's people to re-enslave them. And God protects them against the giant at the Red Sea. As they arrive at the promised land after 40 years of, it's described as 40 years of wandering, but really it's 40 years of preparation. They've been enslaved for hundreds of years. It takes time for them to become a cohesive people, a people who understand who God is, a people who understand laws and directions. It takes all of this time to prepare them. But when they come to the promised land, Moses sends spies into the land to check it out. And the majority of the spies come back and they say, we can't take that place. Their cities are fortified and their men are giants. They're giants. We look like grasshoppers by comparison. They're giants. But they trust God and they go ahead and God delivers them into the promised land. We've looked at the book of Judges and and two of the judges in this series. We looked at Samson and we looked at, um, and I forgot at the first service too, Gideon. I don't know why. It's the guy who puts the Bibles in hotels. (laughs) That guy. Both dealing with overwhelming odds, both dealing with giants. And when they put their trust in God, God takes these small ones 
and does mighty things to overcome the giants. That's the broader context of this story. And so time and time again, day after day after day, Goliath comes out, this weapon of mass destruction, calling them out and saying, let's fight it out, and cursing their God and cursing this army and cursing their nation, and it goes on and on and on. So the next part of the story then is young David, who is a shepherd for his father, overseeing cattle. His father, who has two sons with the Israeli army, calls David and says, I want you to go check out your brothers, bring them some provisions, see what's going on, and bring back news to me of what's going on. And so David goes off and he finds the army. And soon after he arrives, he sees Goliath come out and do his thing, cursing this army, cursing their God, and challenging them. Now, before I go any further in the story, I want to ask you a question. What are the giants in your life? What are the giants in your life? Those things that look so overwhelming, so daunting, so undefeatable, so overwhelming that it just fills you with fear and you feel stuck where you are. There's nothing I can do. There's nowhere for me to go. This giant is going to or has already enslaved you. We all have them. Maybe for you, the giant is a painful past. Things that happen to you in your life that have just overwhelmed you in your life and you feel stuck, or maybe things that you've done in your past and you carry guilt and shame, and it's a giant that you don't feel you can overcome and it feels like it's enslaved you. Maybe your giant is the future. As you look ahead, you don't see any way forward and you feel overwhelmed by what's out there on the horizon, whether you know what it is or think you do or have no idea what it is, but the future just frightens you. Maybe your giant is the future. Maybe your giant is a toxic relationship. Maybe your giant is an issue that you care deeply about, but it just seems so overwhelming. What can I do? What can one person do? I've been speaking uh, to some folks over the last several weeks about a giant like that, about this opioid epidemic in our country, but even more specifically in our county, here in Camden County. Do you know that over 200 people have died of opioid addiction in Camden County this year? And it's only August. In 2010, 65 people died in the whole year. It's a growing epidemic. It's destroying lives, it's destroying families, it's destroying the very fabric of our culture. And people look at something like that and say, it's overwhelming, it's a giant. There's nothing that we can do. And we feel stuck and enslaved by giants like that. So I think we can learn some things. 
because the story of David and Goliath is not a story of the big guy defeating the little guy. It's a story of what God can do when someone puts their trust in him. So here's David. He sees this giant cursing God, cursing their God, cursing uh, the army of Israel. And he may even at that point remember the covenant that God made with Israel. I will curse those who treat you poorly. And David asks this question, who is this guy that he would curse our God, that he would curse our army? Who is he? David's focus was on God, not on Goliath or himself. It's the first takeaway from this. God's focus was on God, not Goliath, and not himself. David wanted to take on Goliath. And he didn't, he didn't do it because he didn't recognize how big Goliath was. But he doesn't say anything about that. Like when he first sees Goliath, you don't have recorded in scripture that he goes, holy mackerel. Look at that dude. He's massive. He's huge. I got to go back to my dad, right? I got to go back home. He wasn't focused on Goliath. Neither was he saying, come on, I can take that guy. You know, I've been lifting a lot. I've been uh, working out, you know. I'm American Ninja Warrior. I've got into the quarterfinals. I can take this guy, right? He wasn't looking at himself and his own abilities. He was looking at God. When you're facing a giant, where's your attention? Is it on the giant and how terrifying and undefeatable the giant looks? Is it on yourself, your own abilities or your own inabilities? The lesson we learned from David is to look to God. A dear friend of mine passed away earlier this year. Some of you knew him, his name was Angelo Salandra. Three years ago, Angelo was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, a death sentence. There's no cure. It's, it's what was going to take his life. Here's the thing about Angelo. When he got that diagnosis, he did not make multiple myeloma, this deadly cancer, the focus of his life. He didn't make that giant the focus of his life. It's not that he didn't pay attention to it. It's not that he lived in denial of it. He dealt with it. He went through uh, the treatments and so forth. He did the things that he needed to do. But it wasn't the focus of his life. During those three years that God gave him, Angelo used his time and his talents so well. He began to mentor high school students. He mentored students here at our ministry, our youth ministry here, but he also worked with Urban Mission Fellowship, mentoring some kids in the city of Camden. Angelo helped me start a Bible study. We called it a Bible study for guys that don't do Bible study. It was gonna be a six-week class 
it's still going on two and a half years later, right? Those guys loved Angelo. If he made his focus the giant, it would have enslaved him, it would have destroyed anything he was going to do over the next three years. But his focus was on God and trusting God with his life and what an impact he made in those three years. Man, when you're facing a giant, you need to look to the God of the universe for your strength. Well, the next part of the story then is, um, is instructive as well. So moving to verses 38 through 40, here's what happens. So, Saul, so David, you know, goes to the king, Saul, and says, I want to fight him. And there's, you know, a bit of a, Saul doesn't want him to because he's not really a soldier and he doesn't think he's going to have a chance, but then realizes nobody else is going to do it. And it's like, all right, okay. <laughs> is Hebrew, actually. It's... <laughs> so, this is where the story picks up. Then Saul gave David his own armor a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used, I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. So this part of the story is, is kind of cool, right? So, so Saul says, all right, you're going to fight him, but you're going, to need, you're going to need stuff, stuff that you don't have, stuff that you've never had, stuff that you've never used before. You need stuff in order to go fight this giant, and he gives him all the stuff. And David's like, like I, can't, I can't do this. Here's the thing. Here's the takeaway. When you're facing a giant, you don't have to be somebody you aren't. God wants you to overcome the giant. God wants you just the way you are. God made you the way that you are. God wants to use you just the way that you are. He wants to work in your life through who you are to overcome the giant. You don't have to become somebody else. God gave me this Years and years ago, it's a story I'm sure I've told before. Hopefully you weren't, weren't here, um, but if you were, sorry. <laughs> you know, like, this is what old people do. They tell the same story over and over again. Because to us, it feels like the first time. <laughs> so I was wrestling with going into the ministry. I didn't, I didn't feel that I was qualified to go into pastoral ministry. It's, you know, it's... I would say, God, that's not who I am. That's not what I picture myself doing. I had a whole list of reasons why I was the wrong guy. And here's what God said to me. Jeff, I'm not asking you to be somebody else. I want to use you just the way I created you. 
And if there's any changes that need to be made in you, then you and I together will make those changes. But you don't need to change in order to do this. That's the God we serve. Not a God who makes us slaves, but a God who sets us free to be the men and women that he created us to be, created you to be. Third thing, last thing, verse 40. So David is, he's got the armor off, he's, he's ready to go. It says this, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. No armor, no sword, no spear. A slingshot, a stick, and five smooth stones to enter into the battle against the giant. So here's the takeaway for me from that. You don't need a lot to take on the giants in your life. It's stuff that's available to you. It's stuff that is right at your fingertips. What are the five things that you need to overcome the giant in your life? And it's probably simpler than you even know. I'll give you a couple of suggestions. Prayer is a good place to start. You have this connection to the creator of the universe in this simple exchange called prayer. It's nothing formal. It's nothing that you have to train to learn to do. It's simply opening your mouth and your heart to God and saying, God, here's my giant. It seems overwhelming, God. It seems undefeatable. I need you to help me with this giant today. It's a daily exercise of prayer, right? We've got the word of God. We have this great resource, wisdom of God from thousands of years that's as current today as it was when it was written. We have that resource. You have that resource. You have a community of people around you who want to support you and encourage you and help you as you face whatever giants you face if you make use of those resources. But keep it simple. Keep it simple. You don't need anything, you know, any great sophisticated technology. What did you just say? <laughs> Do not take on technology, Bills. Um, yeah. Everything that you need. So the band is going to come up and they're going to lead us in a, in a closing song. And I want to pray for us as they're getting set up. Let me just, let me just pray for us. So God, thank you so much that you are not frustrated by the giants in our lives, that your purpose for us cannot be frustrated by a giant. That like David, when we put our faith in you, when we act 
in ways consistent with who you created us to be. That we can defeat giants and find freedom. And so whatever the giants are in this room today, God, I pray for your strength, I pray for your mercy, I pray for your wisdom for each of us to overcome our giants. And we'll be sure to give you the thanks and the praise. And all God's people agreed and said,